Welcome to Sun Quattro in Conversation. This series is by Riverside Art Museum, aka RAM, leading up to its opening of the Cheech Marin Center for Chicano Art and Culture, aka the Cheech. I'm Melissa Richardson Banks, and today there are four of us in conversation with my friend and artist, Cece Segura Gonzalez, Ton Woodgate. Uh, Director of Exhibitions and Collections at Riverside Art Museum, Chris Scorza, the Helena Rubinstein Chair of Education at the Whitney Museum of American Art, and the incomparable Cheech Marin, entertainer, filmmaker, comedian, collector, and art advocate. I've worked with Cheech about 20 years, and the best part of my work is I get to work with him, but also sometimes, very rarely, I get to introduce a new artist to him. It doesn't happen very often because he's out there scouting artists all the time, and especially during the pandemic when he became really prolific on Instagram. So about 10 years ago, art writer Matt Gleason called me and asked if I would stop by his Chinatown gallery, Coagula Curatorial. He had a show at the time featuring works by Cece. And when I texted Cheech images of Cyclops and musical chairs, he immediately said, get those. And then he placed them in our nationally touring exhibition, Chickenitas, and its companion catalog. Todd, can you tell us a little bit about Cece? Absolutely. Thank you, Melissa. Uh, primarily an abstract artist, Cece Seguera Gonzalez also paints figurative work using oil, acrylic, and watercolor, utilizing printmaking techniques to create woodcuts, etchings, and monoprints. She studied at East Los Angeles College, working with artist mentors such as Roberto Chavez, Dale May, and Uli Berg. Like many Chicano artists, uh, Chicano artists she printed L- at LA's uh, self graphics under the guidance of Sister Karen Boca. Calero and has taught at risk youth. She has worked for many companies such as the Walt Disney Company as an in-house graphic designer, a storyboard artist, fashion illustrator, and art director. For the annual Tropico de Nopal Calavera fashion show in Los Angeles, she has created costumes over the years in homage to art icons such as Rufino Tumayo and David Alfaro Sequeros. Widely collected and internationally, Her artwork also is included in major U.S. publications and private collections. Her work is featured on the cover of the catalog for Papel Chicano Dos, works on paper from the Cheech Marin Collection, which is on view currently at the Colorado Springs Fine Arts Center now through August 7th. Uh, So my first question is for Cheech. And Cheech, would you tell us a little bit about how you came to to be to know Cece and started acquiring her work? Well, I was uh, thanks, Todd. I, I was uh, alerted to her by uh, by Melissa uh, first at that Coagula Coagula whatever that name is, and and uh, Matt Gleason's gallery in downtown in Chinatown. And I and I was I didn't see the works in person, but I saw them on a computer, and, and it was oh, they were fascinating to me. I I, I loved the craft craftsmanship in them and uh so that's how i and then i went down to chimayo the other gallery to uh, see them in person and then i was really impressed and and the the main work that i bought was uh soy chicana we just straightened out the title of that um soy chicana uh which is a big a large piece and 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 i was i was knocked over by it but Mostly because of the way it was hung. I mean, she had looks like it was still wet, you know, or something. She had barely rolled it up, and then somebody just they just tacked it on the wall, and it's a large piece. So there was a kind of like hung 
uh, swayed in the middle, you know, but I, I, I knew it, it was a major piece right away. And so we, we conducted a deal for that. I, the, the thing that was fascinated me most about CC, you CC, is that I had never heard of you before. And, and that's like, well, how did I miss this lady? You know, and and it's it was like uh, you're hiding in plain sight. It seems to me at the end of the day, because you had been involved in the movement earlier um, uh, with all the all the uh, uh, self help graphics and all the other places that you showed and worked at. But I didn't know your name and I didn't know your work and it was seemed kind of hidden. And then when I started talking to you, I found out your background that I think that that same time you were working for Disney, you know. And so I said, well, this is a breakthrough. <laughs> we're smuggling Chicanas into Disney now. This is good. Uh, but it was kind of hidden by the corporate world that you were in but the work was coming out and so so as i investigated farther i saw more and more work that is half abstract and half figurative and that's the interesting combination you know because uh, people approach it different uh, uh and and how they uh uh connect with it or or, or uh, um, what's the word i'm trying to say um empathize with it or, or relate to it, you know? So that was really interesting. But it, what was also amazing is that you were very prolific. And I like that part, you know, because all my favorite artists are the ones that are very prolific. You know, they, they I, I, there's some artists that take a long time to do one painting and that's, that's their process and that's good. But I like, I like painters who paint every day, you know, because it just evolves out of them really, you know, it's, sometimes you get to the point, it seems as talking to artists where that you're almost an instrument of whatever the muse or whatever the inspiration is. I know I, I feel that same way as a writer, when you're writing something and you think it's going to go this way, you have an idea in your head about the characters and they just take off. <laughs> no, this is how I want to be. You just are, are seeing it now. And I I think that's the, the way with painters because it's it, it, although very studied, it's a very spontaneous process at the same time that you don't know when that inspiration is going to strike and, and start guiding your hand. So that was always very uh, uh, definite part of your work and 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 also the technique you use a lot of a lot of uh, different techniques in the same canvas or in the same and and i love the 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 uh, um the the texture that it brings to, to every single one of those paintings and that's uh, always very very good to me uh, very attractive to me anyways but I was I was still always trying to figure out, but you you started self help gallery. What was this punk gallery that you uh, showed at, Cece? Well, actually, it was one of the first uh, punk stores, new wave stores in Westwood. And uh, yes, I was working for Levi's Strauss, Levi's for Gals, as a receptionist showroom model. And somebody turned me on to uh, a friend of theirs that needed somebody to an artist to work at their uh, Westwood store. And it was a wild ride. We had great times. It was, you know, the music. I, I did all their advertisements. I um, designed clothes for them. <laughs> and uh it was an amazing time to be there. And it was like, you know, late seventies, early eighties. And, um, 
And I think I did mention that Richard Eduardo came into that store. Yeah. And you had pink and turquoise hair at the same time? I had turquoise hair and my friend uh, Martha had pink hair. (laughs) And I'll tell you, when he walked in, he looked very divine, I have to say, dressed in this amazing suit. And the pattern was like an indigenous pattern or an Aztec pattern. And, you know, he just eyeballed us and we eyeballed him. And it was like, what is this all about? (laughs) And uh, he was very, very sweet, uh, muy simpatico. And uh, we were talking, you know, he was asking about the store. And then he invited us actually to his, uh, the place, the studio that he was working at. And one day we went down there and it was in Highland Park. And we walked into the studio. I believe it was on Figueroa. And you have to remember, I didn't know any of these artists. And so he started introducing us to some of the artists. And one of them was uh, Carlos Almaraz. So, you know, he actually he was looking to do some silkscreen for us because we were also doing silkscreen T-shirts with some of the punk clothes. For those of you who don't know who Richard Eduardo was, he was the head of Modern Multiples, which was the the printer of record in the Chicano community early at Modern uh, Modern Multiples. I already said that, uh, and he printed everybody in the movement at, at that at that particular time. And to this day, he's like one of the master printers. He also did all the printing for the uh, uh, Chicano Visions uh, part of it, where we had a, a a print of every single one of the artists that were in the show. Uh, Wonderful. Unfortunately, he's passed on and I'm still mad at him about that. You know, uh, so but he he was he was a, a, a great inspiration to the whole Chicano movement. He's he introduced me to a lot of artists over the years, and he was it encouraged me to keep showing it like I I was gonna do. So uh, very you you hooked up with the right guy at the right time, and yeah, and he, it was exciting. You know, he came to see the Village Muse in Westwood. We came to see the studio in in Highland Park. Yeah, so it was it was wonderful. Did you work with him at any on any prints? No. no, no, I've never, I never had the opportunity. But I would have loved to. Yeah. I would love to. I went to some of his parties. Yeah, well, those are good. <laughs> they went on for days. Uh, he always used to show up at my house a Sunday morning with a bucket of men noodle and some pan de huevo, you know. So, and we discuss art. It w- it was great in those days. So. What, what what is your educational background? You went to where? East LA College. Yeah, yeah. And I went there for about two years, and then, um, you know, prior to that, I worked in a factory <laughs> to really? get money to go to school. And unfortunately, I had to drop out of college, wow. and I just started, you know, getting into the workforce. Yeah. And. Uh, so that's my my one of my first jobs was the showroom model at Levi's for Gals. But I did get a whole wardrobe every season. What kind of factory did you work in? It was putting components. I just put little components into a rack and then they would spray them. And I think it was something to do with airplanes, but I'm not so sure. It was probably spice though. <laughs> but, but what I did realize when I was there, 
I don't want to do this for the rest of my life. (laughs) Yeah, you get that that, that feeling right away. So who were your early mentors or who, you know, taught you the path of art after you got out of school or during this process? You know, as a young girl, I was always I was always paint uh, drawing or something. it's kind of a Lady Gaga song. I was born this way. I I, I just now naturally uh, started painting and drawing. But my dad was was an artist, but he didn't he didn't work as an artist. But he would draw every night when he would come home. He would draw after he was reading the newspaper, and I would cut out those little pictures and save every single one of them. And um, I do have a couple of his paintings still, but I actually never met any other artists until I, I, I guess, started working, to tell you the truth. I had gone to galleries. I got I had gone to museums, but I had not gone. I had not really met a real artist until I met uh, the German artist, Uli Berg. So how did you get in with uh, Carlos Almaraz and all those guys? I did not. I was born in San Gabriel and I uh, lived in Altadena. So I kind of I don't have that pedigree that a lot of people have Mm -hmm. of the walkouts and everything. And I'll tell you a really interesting story. When I was working for uh, the Village Muse and I was traveling to London, you know, seeing the punks in London and doing work there. And I came back and there was a friend that said, you know what, you should go to self-help graphics. And I said, what's that? Well, you need to come, you know, just check it out. And I was always a human rights type of person, right? Very aware. Mm -hmm. But when I went to self-help graphics, I have to tell you, I was blown away. I mean, a lot of political stuff they were into, an awareness that I have to tell you that I did not have. Um, I came from a very strict family. And so I wasn't allowed to wander, you know, go to other areas or anything. And uh, so it was a real awakening for me. And I have to tell you, some of the artists there at that time in the 90s at Self-Help Graphics were some of the most talented artists I've ever met. I mean, I was totally inspired by them. You know, Israel Rodriguez, um, Artemio Rodriguez was working there at the time. Uh, Poli Marichal, uh, Marianne Sadowski, um, just all these people, a wealth of talent. And it really made me aware of what was happening in underprivileged areas, too. So, mm-hmm. you know. It, it was a real turning point for me. Was that any influence on your divide between doing abstract work and figurative work? Because there are two distinct fields that you did you work in. Not that they're not related, but uh, but they're two distinct fields. Well, at the punk store, the Village Muse, I did a lot of illustrations. And, uh, you know, at Disney, I did, I did a lot of Mickey Mouse? digital work, right? Yeah, yeah. But I had always drawn I always kept a journal mm-hmm. and I always drew in it. When I started painting, I, I found myself really attracted to shapes and uh, the force of the canvas, the size of the canvas too, because I like working large. And then at a certain point, 
the two came together. Abel Ortiz mentioned something that I thought was pertinent to the discussion between you and Cece just now. And he says he relates to Cece's work because he too explores and speaks through both abstract and representational imagery. And he said for him, he feels like that it's it relates to our his bilingual nature to not limit ourselves to one language. And that's what he sees in Cece's work. And I thought that was really a great um, point. And I was curious if uh, Chris or Cece or Cheech, if that, you know, just kind of, what do you think about that? I thought it was really made sense. Uh, I love that, actually. I, I, I absolutely feel the same way. I think when I saw Cece's painting at the museum, saw how it was about being both bilingual and bicultural. And it just that tension that exists, but that love for connecting the both uh, that exists in our culture where we can go from you hablo español to you hablo inglés in English speaking in, in a minute. Uh, so it, it is a beautiful uh, comparison of what happens with abstraction and representation, like the two languages that exist and coexist. So thank you, Evil. You can see that in, in, in like Soy Chicana and, and some of the, uh, the other things that you do. Uh, so do you identify more with the abstract or more with the uh, uh, figurative? Well, that's a very interesting question because I've been asked by galleries like you shouldn't do abstract or do the figurative. You have to choose one. And I feel, no, I do exactly what I want to do. There you go. Right? Sounds like an artist to me. But I, I really have to say self-help graphics. And when I went there and met everybody, that was my tribe. I realized like, mm, this is what I want to do. And this is where I belong. And uh, so it was, it was quite powerful. When you kind of came out as a Chicano or I started identifying with that movement, you were older than uh, uh, emerging artists. So how did you identify at that at that point? Well, I have to say, um, you know, my parents were very uh, I come from one of the old families of San Gabriel Mm -hmm. where everybody knew who we were um, and reported back to my parents and uh, they use the word Chicano as a derogatory term, right? So a lot of people had that. My parents are always very proud, though, of being Mexican-American. My dad's Tex-Mex, mm-hmm. you know, and he doesn't let you. He never let us forget that. <laughs> I just think I, I was always a human rights person. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I was around more of the gente, mm-hmm. I saw like a great need for a, vo- a voice in my artwork mm-hmm. that spoke to to what was happening around me. And I think it gave it, even though I, I you know, I wasn't in my 20s, but I was aware of what was going on always, you know, but I think it gave a freshness to my to my work, mm-hmm. even though I was a little older you know, that I came into it a little older. That was that was the one the thing that surprised me when I first met you. It's like that I was old. No, that you were older and making an appearance for the first time. Chief, I was a working I, I was going to say a working girl, but we're all working girls, honey. You know, I had to make a living. Yeah, 
lived by myself, right? I was a single woman. So I would come home from, you know, eight hours, nine hours and set up my my easel and start painting until two o'clock in the morning and then go to sleep and wake up and do the same thing all over again. And I was exhibiting and stuff. Um, I just I don't know the you know, sure, I would have liked a larger circle of where I showed. But that is something I think that needs to be addressed, you know, with things that are happening now. Um, I think we need more representation and people need to see what's happening in a lot of different communities. It was interesting. I was talking to Sonia Faye the other day when we had this conversation and I I told her that what I've noticed is that the women part of this movement, the the, the females are are more outraged by injustices that I see. Uh, They want to get to the canvas right away and to the easel because there's like that really something really pisses you off. And even though you have an immediate inspiration, the product that comes out at the end takes a long time. I mean, this is a very handcrafted uh, uh, work that you do. So it's not like you just don't dash it off and here's my, it, it, it uh, represents emotion. It doesn't, it represents emotion originally, but the craftsmanship really comes into it. And then that's the, the perfect uh, microphone to use uh, to announce the outrage, you know, and we've had plenty of chances in the last years, you know, to like, what are you people nuts, you know? And, um, and so to, to, to strike, you know, to strike your voice. And that's really what, what, uh, uh, attracted me but as, as i see the, the the painting behind you the abstract it is i see now the techniques that you use in the other work in the other figurative works you know that that that's that method of painting and the method of drawing that they kind of flow together it's this is a remarkable work so so then the question do you do you identify more with the um, abstract or the figurative you know, that's a hard question because both of those are me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In my house, I have abstract. My drawings were something that were always a personal side of me. And like I said, I had always kept a journal. I just felt that I, I don't think I can make that that call. Um, I think maybe when I merge them together, why that happens, I just feel that there is a need to speak because it's, it's a language that I'm speaking, right? I mean, when I, when I draw, um, it's a much more personal relationship with the viewer that can kind of see where my head's at. When I do abstract, they have to look a little bit more carefully into it. I love your abstract work. I mean, this is, you can just see it right there. But I see some of the images that morphed into similar images, but put together to tell a narrative. It's it's, it's amazing. You know, I, uh, it's, it's, uh, people are always amazed by, by your work when I show it to them, but I have to screen them. <laughs> well, this one's an oil. And I tend to, when I work, with oil. Um, I do a lot of layering, you know, I use also other uh, materials uh, like uh, charcoal and and things like that. So it's a real process. And And I'm a big nerd when it comes to painting and stuff like that. I think most people who know me go, wow, she's really into it. When I paint, 
And it depends, especially say like during the pandemic, when I laugh, my canvas laughs. When I cry, my canvas cries. I really feel at one with my canvas. It shows. I mean, the the, the, unifi- uh, the unity in your work is is, is amazing. Uh, Chris, do you have a question? We, we've been ignored you as long as we could, you know. Yes, yes, yes. I have a couple of questions. And um, again, thank you for for making me part of this conversation. I had the pleasure to meet Cece and uh, seeing her work, Soy Chicana, at the, when it was first presented in Papel Chicano Dose at the Museum of Contemporary Art in San Diego. And I fell in love with the piece. It was actually the centerpiece for a large salon-style hanging of Cheech Marin's collection uh, at the museum. And I think what drew me to the work was that tension that you're speaking about, the abstraction and the figuration, the contemporary and the symbolism of the Mexican-American culture, all of those things coming together. Um, I love in that piece how you have sort of these very uh, cartoon-like, which now I take comes from the inspiration of the illustration work that we were doing at Walt Disney, uh, Quetzalcoatl, uh, skulls in um, bone figures and then the 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 abstract skirts that flow with the women kind of running behind a bullfight there's so much it's such a complex piece there's a lot of text that speak to your passion about human rights and liberation um, but one of my big questions and, and you were alluding a little bit to it this sort of uh, the role of the female artists in the sort of Chicano movement arena and, and how do you carve a space for yourself? So if you want to tell us a little bit about how is that kind of process of carving a, a, a space for yourself, um, as Cheech also mentioned, uh, you seem to have been in front of everyone, but at the same time, not as noticed uh, by the by some of the people in the movement. Uh, but you certainly have made quite an appearance and, and we love your work. So you want to chat a little bit about that, Cece? Well, being a Chicana Latina artist, I, uh, it was something that, you know, some people, I have to tell you, and this, I'm being very honest. Someone once questioned me as to, tell me if you're a Chicana artist. Are you really a Chicana artist? You know, and it was like the Spanish Inquisition or something. I mean, it was just like, and it was like, why do I have to prove that? And I am. Yo soy, you know, soy Chicana. And anyway, the uh, the exhibit was taken away from me uh, because of it. And um but I think I got the last laugh. Uh, but anyway, I just feel that my work, I hope, especially with, uh, when I do political work, because I do a lot of political work, and it deals with immigration, it deals with um, women's rights. Um, I just think that people don't know me as well. And maybe some people know me for my abstracts and not enough for my pieces that are uh, that are more figurative or, or surreal. 
And, um, but could you just fine tune your question just a little more? Because I, I did start I, to I, No worries. But um, I think, as you were saying, this in Spanish Inquisition style of, of questioning who's Chicano and who's not, but also uh, the fact that there were very few women um, within the cohort. We have wonderful people like Judy Baca and Yolanda Lopez, but among them were many more. And, and those people um, did not get center stage or, um, and many, many times because of those questions of, are you really Chicano or Chicano? <laughs> well, the other thing you, you pointed out a really good, uh, I think it's a big problem. And I'll tell you when my friends get together, my friend Linda Ariola, and you know we, we all get together and we talk about uh, why isn't there more representation or uh, more. Uh, there isn't really a focus on women Chicano artists. I mean, there are not that many, okay? And I have to say the men tend to get the limelight. There's a lot more of them. But honestly, when I, we were making lists at one point at breakfast, I was horrified to find out like how, how few there are, you know? And they don't get the due respect because, you know, and I'm not necessarily talking about, about myself, but there's people that really paid their dues, Chicana artists, you know, and women artists, basically, okay, that don't get their dues, they don't get their respect, and that is going to change. I really feel right now that there's a lot of things that are going on uh, politically. Uh, the, the museums have to change. The galleries have to change. Um, it's time. Yalasta, right? I mean, I, it has been my observation that in, in this last little period of time that they, they are the most vocal and the most outraged about things that are happening. I, you know, uh, it's, it's a completely different reaction and temperament to the men artists in, in, in the group. Uh, the women are just like, enough of this shit, you know? I mean, that's, that's kind of the, uh, uh, the attitude I get, which is good. I mean, you know, it takes a lot of bravery to do that. And I don't know whether it's because we don't have the limelight on us and we can do whatever the you know what that we want to do without any blowback. Maybe when you're a little bit more well known, they're expecting the same old, same old from you. I don't know. But Soy Chicana was definitely a journey for me. Um, I was enraged when I did that piece. Um, it was the beginning of, uh, you know, 45's speech he gave. And, uh, and I was, I mean, it, it was also hate radio. Actually, it was during the time of the hate radio. And I said to myself, you know what? I, I have a voice and my voice is my art. And, you know, the title Soy Chicana to me was a declaration similar to, you know, when Jesse Jackson gave his speech of I am somebody, you know. And so that piece really says I'm here, you know, and I'm 
great. The great thing about the, Chica- the whole Chicano category, Chicana category, is that it's a self-declared uh, uh, section. You have to declare yourself a Chicano in order to be one. Uh, there's no uh, box on this census that you can uh, check off, and and um, you can, there's Hispanic or you know, but the, but the Chicano Chicana is not recognized as an official category. It's a voluntary category, but you can get a PhD in Chicano studies from Harvard University. So what's the message? We exist, we don't exist. You know, it is it is truly a phantom culture that is being that is really the mainstream. I mean, as far as I'm concerned, because of the longevity, the specificity of the of the vision of this group of painters and it's expanding all the time, uh the many states it has been from California to New York. Uh, that it that uh, and for the length of time that it has endured and continues to evolve, that uh, there's an argument to be made that the uh, the Chicano School of Art is maybe the most important and pertinent school of art ever in the history of the United States. I agree. And the other thing I would like to see, I'd like to see it open up to other styles. I think there's room enough for. You don't have to just paint one thing. Uh, you know, that's part of the deal. So, like, you know, when, once you've established yourself as a Chicano artist and, and they know where you're coming from and what your uh, uh, identification and what your inspiration is, then I think at a certain point it gives you freedom to paint anything you want. And if, you, if you come back and forth because your name is established, they see your thing, they know your political beliefs, they know your beliefs about women or children or the workforce or whatever that is. And you, you, it, it is almost like getting invested and in, an investiture ceremony that, okay, you've, you've sown your bona fides and, and now you can have do whatever you want. You know, exactly, and it's it's freedom to me. That's why I don't like people to put me in a box. I am a Chicano artist, and whatever comes out of this body and these hands, that's my work, and so it's by a Chicano artist. Well, you know, and and and, but there's also a a a a philosophy let's put it that would be behind Chicano art and it addresses something, you know, it addresses p- political issues or women issues. And, and that's part and parcel as well as, you know, have, you can be an abstract, but those, those qualities are what define the school in the beginning and how you interpret that going forward is your particular explanation of, of everything that made you. And that's uh, that's really, really good because you, you don't have to be just one thing. Todd, do you have another question? I, I do. Cece, you talked a little bit about um, self-help graphics and your exposure there being a turning point for you. Will you talk a little bit about how your work has evolved since that, that time and sort of what that evolution has been like for you? And maybe what inspired some of it? Were there other big turning points, other bends in that road? And, and what were those influences? Well, I definitely said, like I said, self-help graphics. Um, I met people that I could really, you know, uh, talk about art, learn a lot of different methods because self-help graphics did offer, you know, you could do um, uh 
all different types of things, you know, etching, um, watercolor, anything that you wanted to. Um, so I started learning a lot of new techniques, you know. I mean, I was doing some wild things in Westwood, you know, drawings and, you know, all this and that. But there I kind of I think I really honed my, my a lot of my te- techniques, my artwork. And um, I also, because of my awareness at self-help and a lot of issues that I was not aware of, uh, about, uh, immigration and, and uh, you know, underprivileged areas and stuff, um, it changed my art. Um, I, it, start, it started to reflect in my art what I was being exposed to. And I think that was really, really important. Um, Other turning points, um, I just think you get, you start getting confidence. I mean, the fact that, you know, when Cheech uh, collected Soy Chicana and my other work, I mean, I remember driving on the two freeway and and, uh, Stephen from Chimaya says, guess what? Cheech just bought Soy Chicana. And it was like, whoa! And I... You know, I, I missed, no, and I missed my uh, exit on, on the freeway. And I didn't realize I was driving. I was all the way almost to, you know, Burbank by that time. And um, so those kind of things support, I think, support from uh, the community, other collectors, um, really, and they're acknowledging your work, you know. I mean, some of them can stay and live with me, you know, for a long time. But when somebody actually, you know, uh, purchased something like that and then displays it and then it traveled for so many months and years. I mean, that's very, very special. That's very special. One of my mantras during this whole process from the beginning of collection to now is that you cannot love or hate Chicano art unless you see it. And, and and I've always had this reaction when people come to see it. Oh, I didn't know it was going to be like this. I, I like this, you know. Okay, well, thank you very much. I like it too. I'm glad you came. And tell your friends, so, you know, spread the word. Because that's that's the process that we're in now. And with the establishment of the of the teaching Riverside, it, 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 it is official. You know, I mean, it really represents a milestone that we have our first Chicano Museum that represents kind of the breadth and, and depth of uh, and history of, of the arts and you can see how it developed. Uh, so, but it, it, I found that the, the wheels of progress grind exceedingly slow in, in the museum world. I mean, it's a very, because it's, it's the final imprimatur of acceptance, cultural acceptance, you know, once you have a museum, you're on your way, but you get into the museum world and they say, well, come back in 25 years. If you're still there, we'll kind of consider you on the first rung. Okay. I get it. I hope I live that long, <laughs> you know, but it's, but you know, it's, it, you want change to happen fast. And you want change to happen yesterday, but the, in the art where they rarely do, you know, and if they do happen that fast, they don't last, you know, so I, we want long lasting and, and that influential work as we go forward. And uh, that's what I see in your work. I was like, <laughs> I couldn't even see the whole Soichikana 
thing because it, it sagged in the middle. <laughs> no, it, Stephen did need a big piece, and he he didn't realize it was going to be so warm that day. <laughs> so he just kept on sliding down. He goes, Susie, you got to do something, but I don't know, Stephen, what can we do? And he goes, we got to think of something, you know. Well, we'll sell it to cheese. That's, a, that's an idea. <laughs> you know, I have to tell you, it immediately got attention. <laughs> I mean, people really love that piece. It is a, it's a wonderful piece, you know, and and uh, it goes through this process about, you know, if we're going to, what, what are we going to put on the cover of the, of the catalog or the book, you know, and then I've had three or four of them now. And it always, it comes to me in the middle of the night, you know, oh, that one. Yeah, that's absolutely perfect. And that's, I didn't go through that process with your work. I knew it was going to be the cover immediately because it fit, you know, it fit the whole, uh, the, the whole uh, book concept of wraparound. Yeah. Yeah. It was beautiful. And, uh, you know, as a, a previous graphic designer, um, I, I saw that, uh, how it, it worked really well. Uh, and, you know, Soy Chicana, I mean, that has so many symbolisms in it. I don't know. I mean, if it, you knew it had the uh, Pledge of Allegiance in, in Soy Chicana. But... And I was talking to somebody and, you know, it's a blending of, of, uh, of two cultures that came together. I mean, granted, it was, you know, what, what happened in, in the, the Americas. But it also, I think, can that people that are of color can, I think, can really um, understand that because, we are, you know, with the the um, Pledge of Allegiance, that means, you know, just because we're people of color or, or come from different areas, we don't, you know, even question our, uh, our patriotism. So that piece was was very special to me. It jumped off the wall. I was, it looks like it was trying to get away from the wall when I first thought, <laughs> let me out here. Give me, find me a home, <laughs> please. It was good because it was so heavy when I when I went up to because I always touch the art, you know, like and and this is heavy. It's on canvas or what was it on? Or I can't remember what, but it was like no wonder it's drooping, man. This thing, so I had to get it, you know, stretched and framed. Uh, first of all, and so I did I have a theory about framing. I either the framing either stops the the painting or continues the painting, and and uh, and so I you know try to f- do something that's appropriate, but always to the end of featuring the painting, how to best show it off. You know, if you have a woman with a great figure, you want something skin tight. You know, if it's if it's something else, you want something else, and. Uh, and so it, it, I put this big red lacquer frame around it and it was like beautiful. And Stephen from Chamaya came over to the house to see it. And he goes, I had it hanging in the hallway. He goes, Oh, wow. I didn't know that that work was so good. Or, but it, but it, but it kind of, it, it kind of rung, you know, because no, okay. You're supposed to look at this, you know, and that, that frames do that. And sometimes you, they don't know the painting doesn't need a frame. I like to show off the painting. So it definitely needed a frame. And I thought you picked a, a great color and it doesn't fall off the wall anymore. And it doesn't fall off the wall. No more. <laughs> 
<laughs> so, so, Sister, uh, uh, what is the inspiration that makes you do something abstract or or figurative or representational when you go walk to the canvas? Do you have an idea? I better get to the canvas because I have this idea. Or do you like, I'm going to sit in front of the canvas and see what happens? And it's either abstract or representational. Or is, it, is that a conscious effort that you've thought of an idea and you go to the canvas to execute it? Well, it's very interesting. There are times where I just will attack the canvas and it's a matter of color and feeling and, and shapes and everything. And even if, you know, and sometimes I will just leave it alone like that. There have been other times where I've done an abstract and said, you know what, I think it needs a little bit of some type of, of figure or drawing on it. And... Uh, I I will never dictate to the painting, really, what it's supposed to do. It kind of tells me when it needs something. But normally, when I'm doing something political, it tends to be... It tends to be um, in a figurative sense, you know? I do have one piece that I... Actually, there's a couple of pieces in my house. One is called Asylum. It's a total abstract, but it has to do with uh, undocumented uh, immigrants. And then I don't know if you see that one right on that corner, but that's called Remains of the Conquest. So it it really depends on, on the language and what I want to say, you know, how forceful I want to say. Uh, uh, something about, um, you know, something usually political. Um, Like I say, I I have a sketchbook. I will sit and I will draw and I will document. It's kind of like an illustrated diary. And I will document what's going on, you know, in in the world, in my my life. Um, I have, uh, you know, this, a couple of books like this, on 40, our president, ex-president 45. And it's amazing when I look back on it. I also have one that I did on 9-11. And there are, are drawings in there that I can't believe I did that. Wow. You know, and it's just almost like a stream of consciousness. So when you start a work, do you work to it till you finish it? Or do you get to a certain point and say, I need to get away from this for a little while and walk away and leave home and hitchhike across the U.S. and then come back and finish it? Or what's the process? It depends. If I if like the Sage Soy Chicana, when I wanted to say something like that. I knew that it, it had to have some figurative, figurative pieces in there. There are other pieces that I've done um, that have like a, one piece that has a huge avocado. And it was kind of like a- abstract, but then I felt that it needed a figurative piece. So it I at first it wasn't planned. It just happened. And I just, I like the freedom of, of doing whatever I feel that, that the painting uh, needs or the painting is telling me that it needs. When I was uh, a younger artist in my apartment, when I would paint small pieces, I would bring them at night um, of acrylic, not oil. I'd bring them into my bedroom, sit them on a chair, right on the side of my bed, 
go to sleep and wake up and look the first thing my eyes went to was that painting and i would eyeball it and say okay this this is wrong on that painting you know it was that those fresh eyes looking at that piece so you know some sometimes it can be instinct some kind sometimes it can be a stream of consciousness i tend to work very very much like with stream of consciousness so ichikana i mean those the figurative figurative type of work i tend to work like continuously and in fact when i did soichigana i was living in a small apartment uh and my husband was you know we had just gotten married and uh i had to roll it across you know the wall and across the door and i told him could you please call me when you come home because do not open the door <laughs> there's a painting there and basically i would just draw and draw and draw and draw you know until i you know i had to take it down and then put it up the next day and draw and draw and draw but where there's a will there's a way i've heard the story of a similar story from a lot of mainly the women artists because they're painting in small studio ish kinds of things that are this their apartment house garage whatever that's conjoined and it's always and they always want to do a gigantic piece you know so the problem always arises you know like well how do i even fit it in the house and how do i get perspective on it and how do i back up and you know it, it's a process but but the, your de- the determination in the finishing the project always shines through i mean you're like determined to do this because abstract you can come back a year later and keep on going I guess you know. Yeah, but I know when it's finished. I feel it. Um, you know, during the pandemic, I mean, I never stopped painting. You know, and most of them are at are abstract. Um, I have this little piece here which has an interesting story to. It was my husband's first haircut during pandemic. And what I did was I the clippings of his hair, I took and I mixed into the paint. Is this Santeria or something? Is it a process? Was there chickens involved here? <laughs> it was just a different uh, texture. Yeah, yeah, I see. You, know, you can't hard, you can't see it, but I know it's there. I mean, that's my my personal collection, and that's it's called, uh, you know, hair of the dog. <laughs> the big dog. So it's called the hair of the Did dog. Did he appreciate that? <laughs> yeah, he claims that now is his. So. Oh, well, you know, care of the dog. Care of the dog, yes. <laughs> yeah, Dave. So what does your day consist of these days? Is getting up and and uh, and doing what? I'm very disciplined. Yeah. I have to tell you, I mean, you can't have somebody to say, well, don't you think you should draw now? Or don't you think you should go in your studio? I'm very disciplined. And I we get up in the morning. He goes on his side of the house. I go into my studio because we have a house now. So oh, cool. it's bigger. That's nice. And I just, I paint. I, I, it's my nature to be creative. That's what I do. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. And even taking care of my mom, when I have to take care of my mom, I would, you know, she probably would say stop already, but I would, uh, you know, dress her up like, you know, maybe Frida Kahlo, a little shawl, little shawl. Um, I would try to even bring that creativity 
to her. I took a lot of photographs of, of her. Um, so it's something that is part of me. Mm-hmm. When I was a child, they would say, Cece, please do. Can't we just do? No, we're going to create this. And so we're gonna <laughs> just, it's my nature to, uh, you know, to make things to, you know, whatever it's going to be. I, I, I just I love the the ability to create and it's a gift. Yeah, it is. I mean, you, you, artists generally know they're going to be artists very soon in their life, you know, because they can't help but pick up the pencil and paper and draw something on it. I mean, it's just it's like singers, you know, singers sing all the time. <laughs> I mean, they wake up singing and they go, you know, they eat dinner singing and they go out to the yard and say, but painters are the same way. You know, it's just that they're, they're, they're quieter. <laughs> yes. I mean, when I go into my my studio, I, it's my sanctuary. You know, everything I leave or at least I try leave everything outside that door and I am in my zone, you know, and I love it. So what's inspiring you lately? Where do you see, what are you doing right now? Right now, I'm starting to produce work coming out of the pandemic. And I feel it's like, and this is for everybody, it's like a renaissance. It's going to be a renaissance, a rebirth. And so I'm doing new work right now. So I'm very excited. I mean, it's like, let's get, you know, off with the mask. I'm vaccinated and uh, let's, let's start rolling now. Let's start working. I think, I absolutely think so. I think the, the artists are the avatars of the age and they see things coming greatly uh, a long distance away and uh, we have to kind of listen to ours because of the advanced sensors of anywhere we're going uh, so I think we're going to come out of this pandemic totally changed um, we're, we're not going back to the way we used to do things and it's just not going to happen because we're going to be faster more streamlined more communicative uh, uh, throughout the world and that's kind of what we needed you know, so it, it is really what we need. And so we're gonna, we're learning a new language and a new rhythm right now. And that is going to, I think, in the end, save us. Yes, I agree. There's going to be so many like um, technology. I mean, so many new things. I mean, I'm not saying I was like, like thrilled throughout the whole pandemic. But for the most part, I was doing what I normally do. And that's pain. But I think I'm very excited about, you know, the, the the new year and and what's going to happen. Yeah, we're going to see some amazing things and it's going to go very fast. And the the fundamental way we do business uh, in in the world is, is in the midst of change right now. And it's, and it's going to happen very rapidly. It's happening very rapidly. You know, the, the, the new norms are like, well, we're not going to come back to work if we don't get a, a living wage. That's going on right now. People, people cannot, they, they, the companies don't have enough workers, no matter what they do, if it's technological, making rockets or, or you know, shoes. Uh, we're reconfiguring how we approach that, how we make better, faster, cheaper, be, you know, more outstanding products. And that's happening right now. And people are going to have to adjust to that. Absolutely. And equality and women artists, their presence in in museums and galleries. You know, that's going to I think it's a good thing. Yeah, I, I don't think I don't see why they shouldn't. You know, the, the, our, 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 
women painters or, or artists are as talented or maybe more in some cases than anybody else so that they should get their day and continue to get their day you know i've i've i was married to a painter once since i've i've heard this rap before <laughs> you know so so i you just yeah you, I, you know i had a my wife was she, she complained about not getting you know with women or excluded she had more shows than any person i've ever seen in my life you know but uh but i can see that you know her point and uh, but but that's going to change and and also we need to, f- to find eventually at some point how to to ramp up the commercial element and uh, 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 people that promote the work in order to okay this can go good and over your couch you know kind of because the 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 art world and the art market is like the stock market you know it goes up it goes down it gets discovered it you know it's big today and not big tomorrow you know so it has it takes constant reinforcement in the form of of dollars you know and that's uh, the half of of the art world and the other half is the is the museum world and to to balance those two things and they they should work in conjunction with each other in a perfect world so we'll see where that where that comes out you know i think that's one of the beautiful things about the touring program and i really think that's been the, my most exciting thing about working with you is because it's so innovative for you as a collector that's why I really don't even like to call you a collector. I think of you as an art advocate because your voice, you have really elevated voices of everyone in the community and the artistic community. And that's been such a pleasure for me personally to watch and and just even just even doing these programs right now. I mean, honestly, just this is our third of four programs. And this is so exciting to hear voices, not only of the artists that you have in the collection, but also artists and curators who have worked with, I mean, to to really get to know Chris today and to continue that conversation beyond today. um, That's also really great. One thing you said in one of our last programs, Cheech, was that, um, you talked about that you don't, again, you, you want to speak to all audiences because here I am, you're, I'm evidently not a Chicana. I, I identify with the community in many ways because I have been so involved with it for the past 20 years. But I think the best thing that you have done too, is not again, elevating artists who are and giving them voice, not only to their own community, but to communities at large. And I looked at just even the tour schedule, for example, that we brought the Papel Chicana Dose, and there's nine um, museums that actually showed it. And it's Tulsa, Oklahoma, um, Laramie, Wyoming, uh, Riverside. Of course, that's actually how we got to know Riverside. Thank God. I love it. San Diego, uh, Anaheim, it's now in Colorado. So we're really canvassing all, all levels of different cities across the country and reaching so many communities. And I think that's really so great of you in that way. And then also elevating what you're doing to elevate artists like Cece, you know, just really sharing her work. Um, I think I'm so excited about that. I'm sure. What do you think about it, Cece? I, I'm sure that you're just like um, we were talking the other day. Margaret has a piece that was elevated a lot with Chicano Visions. This is your piece. Soy Chicana really has. I see it all the time when I go on the Internet and look up exhibitions in Chicano art. It pops up. Have you seen a lot of attention with that? Oh, lots of attention. I mean, you know, if people that I <clears throat> I don't know or other artists that, you know, want to talk to me about it. Um, 
I have a lot of people that, uh, you know, they ask me about soy chicana and they, they just want to know how they can get their pieces in a museum and stuff. And I just want just to work and work and work, but it's, it's made me so very proud to have soy chicana in the Cheech collection. I have to tell you, I mean, I know Sonia had said that, you know, when you have one of your pieces in a museum, it's like you've arrived, you know? Yeah. And it, I am very proud. I am very proud. I mean, it's kind of like, I I don't have children, but it's like my child did really well and it's gone on and, you know, has a life of its own and something. It's exactly what I mean. You get lifted to a, to a, 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 a place of reverence. You know, when you see, when you see it, oh, I like this. I did, I thought Chicano art was going to be a picture of a guy sleeping under a cactus with a pot of beans. You know, no, it, it is it is the most sophisticated group of painters that are working today. You know, in in the, maybe in the United States and maybe the world. You know, that that have been long lived over a number of years, over a number of states in the country, and it really re- I think it really represents America more than any other school of of work that I've ever seen. But so that's far. a little bit of my life on the on that wall in that museum. You know, it's be- it's a, it's a beautiful thing, I have to say. Um I think one of the things that that we haven't spoke a little bit about is your your role as a mentor and as a teacher, both of youth and other artists and and kind of the emerging generation and how you get inspiration from that too. So if you can speak a little bit about what was that experience of, of really working with youth, um, especially, um, as you said, um, maybe disadvantaged communities or uh, at some point even incarcerated youth? Uh, I thought you had uh, shared that in, in part of your journey. You know, it really, it was very eye-opening to me when I I was working for a group called Theater Parts. And for some reason, I was always sent to the camps and usually uh, boys' camps. And I had never been exposed to that kind of, you know, a camp juvenile it's basically their prisons right um i would go in there and they would check all my supplies and then the door would lock there were guards you know um and i would go into the classroom and you know everybody loves art come on who doesn't love art well there are some people who won't do art (laughs) and i would have to kind of coax them into it But I had met some of the most talented young people in that at that place. And I would wonder, like, I even asked them, what are you doing here? You know, I mean, they showed a lot of talent. They showed a lot of intelligence um, and Also, because I I kind of like, you know, I do surreal, but I love surreal also. There was a lot of surreal um, images within their their drawings. 
Um, but I also would never discourage somebody. I don't care how bad they drew. I always, always encourage them because you never know where that might take them or something in their head can click, you know, and, you know, it's kind of like you can do this too. You know, I don't know what you've done, (laughs) but I have to say most of them in there were for drugs. They had a bad attorney or no attorney. They were like, you know, 15 or 16 years old. And and they were sitting in the in these god awful camps. And um, it was heartbreaking. It, it It's tough to to teach in a place like that. Um, I also taught at a place where a lot of the kids were were drugged because maybe they were difficult to handle and they would sit there and drool out of their mouths. And I just thought somebody is should be able to reach them. I mean, this we it shouldn't be a warehouse of our youth, you know, and there were uh, black youth, uh, brown youth, uh there was also Aryan Nation in there. And uh, and so it was a, an experience that I just think that something has to be done. Something has to change. Um, but I, I, it was the most rewarding probably thing that I've ever done. And I'm also very proud of that because they gave a lot more back to me. Seems like sometimes that that group of youth needs somebody to listen to them or give them a chance, you know, or show them some attention. And that's it's a it's, a, it's an aspect that they lack and they they really want. And and, and encouragement is always a, is the best thing. Uh, Todd, any other questions? Yeah, thanks. Uh, so you talked a little bit about this renaissance, this point of renaissance where we are, and I'm interested to know where in that moment or this particular moment you are finding inspiration, and is it an, are you finding it taking you in a new direction, or is it amplifying work that you were doing either during the pandemic, or are you returning to themes and, and, and things from, from before the pandemic? No, it's going to have to be fresh. And I'm going to be experimenting on some new things. Um, you know, found objects. Uh, um, just, I, I like pushing myself. I don't like to be stale. Um, I I love going into Home Depot <laughs> or someplace like that um, and, and look and see and find things that I can incorporate into my artwork. Um, I want my new, my work to be something new and something that came out of the pandemic that was for good. That's what I want to do. And I'm really excited about it. So we'll see what happens. But the other thing is there are um, things that I will take with me. Everybody's effect has been affected by the pandemic. So whether you know it or not, whatever you do, or if when I'm painting, that'll be an element of what we went through, right? But we turned it around and I'm, I'm just finding it that it's going to be a challenge and I'm excited for it to, to do it. 
There's a question from Jason Gonzalez that I wanted to share with Cece. He was wondering how your time as a graphic designer, especially the rough gown uh, DIY aesthetic of the punk scene in the waning days of stat cameras and the earliest days of photocopiers, how did that time as a graphic designer inform your approach to printmaking and painting? Well, I'll tell you, when I, I actually was at Disney at the time when computers started happening. And um, I was very fortunate. I was able to start uh, learning at that time. And, um, you know, I would do some drawings. It was right at the beginning. We didn't have Photoshop or anything like that. It was just kind of line drawings. Um, But even now, I do uh, use my computer skills to when I photograph a painting, maybe it's even, you know, I'm, I'm in the process of painting. I take it into Photoshop. I turn it around. I look at it. I change colors on it. Um, so it's, it's a very helpful tool. Um, my husband happens to be in the visual effects uh, business. So um, he uses that a lot. Um, But when I was working for the Village Muse, uh, there weren't really, we didn't really use a lot of computers. We had to do everything the old way, (laughs) the old way. So computer is just another brush. It's what you do with that brush. We have one more question and we'll close. It's a question from the audience. And the question was, Cece, can you talk about your performative art, especially the fabulous Calavera walking altars? And I actually hope those continue because I wouldn't, I, I hope that maybe we can help the tradition with the Cheech. Uh, I'd love to see that. What do you think? What's going on with that? Well, you know, we did those at Tropico de Nopal, and uh, Reyes Rodriguez is the one that put those together. And uh, I think I was in every single one except maybe one. And what the premise of, of the Day of the Dead Day fashion show was that you were supposed to pick somebody that, uh, you know, an artist or somebody that you were honoring that had passed. And uh, as an artist, I usually always chose an artist. So I did the Siqueiros piece, I think, was the most... uh, it took the most time. And what I did was I tried to replicate the uh, the mural that's in Alvera Street, you know, with a crucifixion of, of the Indian on the on the back of my on my mural, because my piece was one big mural. Right. And in the front was the face of uh, Siqueiros, but in 3D. I don't know how I'm able to do that, how I can figure out how to do this. I'm not a seamstress, but I send, I somehow can figure out how to make things. And it was extremely heavy. And then I had a piece coming up this way with the American Eagle over here sitting on my head. And it was, I was the finale. I was, I was there. And that's actually the first time I saw you. I never met you, but that it was phenomenal. It was, it was wonderful piece. And it was, I had uh, made it out of burlap 
So, and then the burlap was scratchy. So I had to put some kind of fleece or something inside so it wouldn't scratch me, right? So I I created this, this whole tribute to Sigueros. I put it on, I thought, this is pretty good. And then I kept it on a little longer because I had to keep my arms up like this. And I thought, damn, this is really heavy. So what I did was I stuck a, a pole on the back of my neck through the costume so it would hold my arms up. So I, and then you had to balance yourself too, you know? So that, that is a wonderful piece. The Siqueiros' face and his hand, the 3D hand coming out like this. I mean, it really worked. I was really surprised. I have six costumes. One of them is to Picasso, too. Oh, really? It's like when you see the bat signal, you put it on and run out the door? Well, we have, everybody has their own costume, each artist. And uh, um, my friend Abel used to also uh, be in the show, and he did some great uh, costumes. So all the artists have their artists at their, I mean, their costumes at their house. So they belong to us. Maybe we'll revive that tradition somewhere along the line. That, that's, that's a good way to go. We need to have it at the grand opening. Let's, uh, let's talk. Maybe there's something fun we can do. Well, I really want to thank you so much for joining us today because I, this was like amazing. I know Cheech, how would you, what did you say some closing words and then I'll do the close. Well, I'm really uh, delighted to give you a space to explain your art and to just be seen by the public to know that you're there and doing great work uh, that has been featured and as much as I can feature it in every show. Uh, but we, uh, we see the length and breadth and depth of, of the artist pool that we have to draw from. And, and it's they're talented. Uh, there's a lot of them uh, and they're younger and they're older. At the same time, and that's what I like about that. You know, there there is this something reverence given to OGs. You know, uh, if if they're not Chicanosauruses, I guess. <laughs> But it's a continuous line. It's a continuous line of uh, uh, of inspiration that we're dealing with now. It goes from Chicano source to uh, Latinx, uh, and this is like coming together. Every every generation likes to be known for themselves, but they're a part of a tradition that is still continuing, and it's and it gives voice to uh, uh, things that we think are right. Uh, in this world so thank you very much for contributing to it you know because it's it's a very strong voice cc again thank you for being our star today we're very excited um if please check out cc's work on her instagram account that's where she's most prolific as well as her facebook but her instagram account is cc c which is cici dot segura dot gonzalez and that's with two z's her artwork is on view currently at the Colorado Springs Fine Arts Center through August 7th, and then it comes home to California. Uh, to learn more about the Cheech, please visit thecheechcenter.org. For show notes, links, and artwork images that were mentioned in this program, please visit causeconnect.net. That post will be transferred over to riversideartmuseum.org later this summer when they get their new website. And of course, it'll be on thecheechcenter.org as well. Now, thanks again. This series was presented by Riverside Art Museum. It was made possible through the generosity of the Union Pacific Foundation.